Next Chapter Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, dear. I'm a sweetie. Ba-ba-dee-ba-ba-dee-ba-da-ba-doo-doo. Elton John is just so incredible. It's Amarina. Off his 1970 album, Tumbleweed Connection. It's also number 458 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Welcome to the party, everybody. Hope you guys are listening to each record on Spotify because we're going down Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the top 500 albums, and I am enjoying this ride. Welcome to all the new listeners Thank you for tuning in. And if you're returning to the podcast, thank you for serving in the Fleece Army. Last week's episode, we've been getting a lot of people that have been reaching out saying that Eric Griffin is a dumb, dumb, stupid face for calling the Beatles a boy band. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm going to talk about this until May 31st, 2028, because that's that's the stupidest shit I have ever heard. If you agree with him, or if you disagree, I want you to email us. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you feel about the Beatles being labeled as a boy band, because it's ridiculous. Also, guys, do the Instagram stories for me, man. Come on. Come on and help me get the word out. I want to make this one of the biggest podcasts out there. Why? Because I want to give my dog, Lekka the best life possible. I want to feed her raw food. I'm feeding her kibble right now with some raw, venison raw. But I want to feed my dog completely raw food. So we got to tell people about the show. How do you do that? I've been saying it every week. Take a screenshot of the way you're listening to The 500, and I want you to tag me at Josh Adam Myers and put a hashtag the 500 podcast why don't you go ahead and throw another kadoodle on there for a hashtag fleece army and also if you want to make it interesting why don't you like take a screenshot of the point in the podcast that you are digging the podcast the most and then we can cut our audiogram out of there and put a clip up maybe do some animation but if you give me that 24-hour ad dude i'm gonna give you a, a just i'm gonna see you you're gonna put out the low five and i'm gonna run out and just smack you on the hand and maybe patch on the tuchus Heads up, we got a big show alert, guys. September 5th, I am going to be at the Fremont Country Club in Las Vegas doing the goddamn comedy jam with Sal Volcano and Joe Gatto from the Impractical Jokers and a slew of huge special guests. Guests so big that we can't advertise them because we might fuck their numbers up in Vegas. Come to the goddamn comedy jam, Fremont Country Club in Old Town Vegas. All right. Little bit about the record. I hope you guys enjoyed this one because I really did. Released in October of 1970 in the UK and in January of 71 in America, Tumbleweed Connection is Elton John's third studio album and second album released in the States. Now, for those that still might not know how it worked, Elton John and lyricist Bernie Taupin 
worked separately writing the songs. Bernie would give Elton John lyrics and Elton would write the music to them. This countrified, loose concept album is clearly inspired by other artists of the time who were steeped in Americana, like the band and Creedence Clearwater Revival, as well as Bernie's fascination with the Old West. While many of these songs are beloved and some are even still played by Elton in concert, the only single release from this album was Country Comfort, and it was only released in New Zealand. You know who also is huge in New Zealand? My guest today. From Unmasked and Bennington on Sirius XM, we have a legend in radio, Ron Bennington. I've never met anybody that loves comedy and music more or has the kind of knowledge that this guy has or has lived the life that this guy has. So to be able to sit down and talk to him about Elton John, ooh, baby, it was a good one. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500, guys. Listen free on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods, but listen to it on Spotify, guys. For all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 458 out of 500 with Tumbleweed Connection by Sir Elton John. So when did you first become aware of Elton John in this album? Um, well, it was literally this album, but I did you see Almost Famous, the movie? I did see it, Almost yeah. Famous. So that scene where the kid who's playing Cameron Crowe has all of her his sister's albums, right? And it's just like changing his life. I had that experience when my brother went away to be in the carnival one summer, and I was like 13 or so years old. I just got into all of his albums and this was one of them and you know and I can go back and think about you know uh the Neil Young after the Gold Rush album and there was just Tull and there was you know it it, it was literally this self-education with my brother's albums but that was life-changing for me and when I watched that scene in the movie and the kid was like so amazed and he had these albums it like took my breath away I'm like I feel like someone stole my story but then I figured this probably happened to millions of kids getting into their older brother or oh. sister's albums. Oh, you for know? sure. I mean, I, I mean, I personally, I, it was from my dad. My yeah. dad was uh, a huge jazz fan. Uh, I'd say like light rock. Yeah. But it was his appreciation for music bled onto me and that made me go out and search. Yeah. But I know so many guys that were influenced by their older brother. So your older brother was literally just force feeding you his music? Not at all. Yeah. I just went and found it. Like he Oh really? Yeah, because before that I guess I was too young to care about it. And when he went away, I just that summer I just went through all the stuff and basically, you know, would just listen to album after album and Tumbleweed Connection was one of those albums, and I hadn't. It, it was. Had you heard about Elton John prior to that? I because this is his third record. Yeah, I don't remember. But the first record, when I threw that on, it was kind of the singer songwriter era. You know what I mean? It was a whole kind of James Taylor, Jackson Brown, all yeah. you know, Van Morrison, all those people. This is way more like that than what he later became. And I think the reason why I wanted to do this album with you, uh, I think. It's an amazing 
piece of like rock history of like here's these guys right before they decided no we're going to become pop stars you know what i mean yeah. like their this album was based on like what does the band do the band's the greatest yeah. fucking thing yeah. they got the greatest songwriter and they found their niche and these guys did that and then right after it you know, I mean, there's no hit songs on this album. There's none. There's nothing that was a single. I think Amarina yeah. is the closest thing to anything that was that could have been released or even played now, like yeah. half this album. Um, but this is like, in in, in my opinion, this yeah. is him being influenced by the band and Creedence Clearwater. Yeah, you think you hear Creedence? Uh, oh, in I, it? I I, I yeah. definitely hear the band. Yeah, I definitely hear the band. But from for me, yeah. I had never really listened to a full Elton John record. And, There's no and, reason to, because he's a pop star. He's uh, after this, he kind of became a singles guy. Of course, you know. I mean, but like my introduction to him is is you know the circle of life, of course. And of right. course, I knew Benny and the Jets and all that other shit. Right. And and because of this, I started listening to older Elton John, and I became fascinated with uh, with someone that's like. Well, there's something about the way. I fucking love that song. Yeah. Now, this is the complete opposite. Way of opposite. Everything. But for me to really venture into an Elton John record and have this be the first one, I mean, this was like, just blew my mind, right. man. Like, I had ne I was never expecting him this to be a country western record. I was expecting Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Benny right. and the Jets. This was something that they did, and I guess... They were like, oh, this, you know, be either them or the record company was like, oh, this isn't going to make us millionaires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing music like this. But it's also interesting if you go back and listen to Rod Stewart from the same era, like with the stuff he did with the faces and then his solo stuff. It's so fucking great. But he's known more for hot legs and do you oh, think yeah. I'm sexy and all that and people. But if you do the stuff with him in the faces, it's fucking great rock and roll. And um, I, I, I think the interesting thing that you said was country and western because country and western and rock and roll, those both those names stopped about the same time, right? Yeah. Country and western became country, rock and roll became rock and i think we're all poorer for it man i think it was all so much better before particularly and i got a real soft spot for piano players not keyboard players you know not just the guys that are just sitting at the piano like jerry lee lewis you yeah. know what i mean like that was rock and roll to me and that's that real rock and roll sound sure and we let it go we just sure. let go of it sure this is the interesting thing about it so when it gets into being a pop star, you could say, well, Elton made that decision, and he probably did. But look at, lyrically, how different this fucking record is from any of the Everything records after done. that. Everything you know? he's done. Yeah. Do you think he made a conscious choice to kind of go into pop, or do you think it was just, that's how he writes? I think, first of all, I mean... The, and I think Steve Earle said to, this to me, is like when we decide something is serious music, it's always based lyrically, yeah. right? So somewhere somebody said to say to Bernie Taupin, maybe 14-year-old girls don't want to buy a record 
when it's bringing up the Civil War. You know what I mean? Like, maybe <laughs> this isn't going to be for them. You so, teenage girls don't love Confederate yeah. music? I mean... <laughs> but, but first of all, isn't that one of the most... I mean, you're a guy, you love music. Can you Im- imagine being a lyricist or having a lyricist and not working side by side with that person? I couldn't imagine. I, 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 first of all, all right. I think for them... The idea that Bernie was, you know, in his place and was just sending him lyrics, Elton just could see those words and just hear the music that would go for it. He could read it and say, see how deep, like, Bernie was writing or how, like, fun the song was going to be, and he could just see it from what he was putting down. Which is so weird, right? Very weird, but I, this is the first time I appreciated how good Bernie's lyrics are. Yeah. I never, I never listened to any, I mean, I, I listened to the songs, I went around with it, yeah. and but I and I bopped with it, but I never like read the lyrics. And when I started doing this, I mean, this like, there there are some great lines in this record, absolutely. And I, and I think it's just that there are some people that have writing styles where it's like they get together. It's just like writing comedy, and yeah. you know. But I have friends. I worked on a project with David Angelo, who's a writer on The Daily Show, and I'd write the script, and then I'd send it to him, and he'd punch it back or make a couple changes, and then we'd just work that way because he was living in New York. So just certain people, I guess, just have that kindred spirit connection where they can just identify what the other person's thinking. I think musically, this is fairly rare, though. And it's the reason why it's so fascinating to me is that he could have done these kind of albums. Bernie and Elton could have done this and decided not to. They decided not yeah, to that's... become the kind of people that I love because not everybody knows them. You don't picture this guy putting on funny costumes and you know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah. God, no. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, I wonder what he was wearing while he was making <laughs> right. this. He probably still had like a boa on or some <laughs> yes. shit. Uh, but let's let's dive into the record. Okay. All right, so our album's number 458 out of 500. It's the third album, Tumbleweed Connection, by Elton John, released October 30th, 1970, uh, produced by Gus du- Dudgeon. The album opens with Ballad of a Well-Known Gun. Uh Great song uh, from start to finish. And I think a perfect song out of this record. It's probably yeah. the, one of the, the most infectious grooves uh, and such a perfect way to start the record. Peter, play the chorus. For just something to come out this funky, this right. soulful, yeah. when it hits that chorus, it just blew me away on the first listen to this record. Uh, some cool facts about it. Uh, Dusty Springfield, uh, a.k.a. Son of a Preacher Man, sang backup. And basically, this is about a fugitive who almost sounds relieved while making peace with himself about his inevitable capture. Here's uh, what it is, man. It's a movie. It yeah. does, it's a, it's a three-minute movie and it's an old western you know but it's like a sam peckinpah yeah western right away yeah so you're hearing that and and just lyrically instead of saying gunfighter well-known gun yeah i mean that's unbelievably I, cool i love it yeah I, lord i say now they found me well i won't run i'm tired of hearing there goes a well-known gun from the perspective of the robber step into the world of power loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Uh, phenomenal song. Uh, have you ever been on the wrong side of the law? Oh, especially uh, a couple years <laughs> after this. Um... Really um, thought that dealing would be a lot of fun, and it doesn't always work out that way. What were you way. selling? What were you selling? Well, the uh, a couple of drugs that don't even quaaludes. Uh, you were a quaalude well, dealer. We were all moving ludes. Um, <laughs> moving but all the, ludes. But there was also a, a thing called angel dust that people were That's into. PCP and tick, which was a powdered version of that and we would call it THC although of course it was none of it, it was just kind of a powdered version yeah. of angel dust that was very very big asset was also a lot of fun but this all took place within maybe 3 years of me maybe even less maybe a year and a half to 2 years of me hearing this music so it wasn't uh, with the sex drugs and rock and roll it was rock and roll first sure yeah and then sex and drugs followed within a year or so. But I was still pretty innocent at this point in my life. Yeah. And um, did you get you did, did you get busted for for selling I got, uh, selling uh, drugs? I got busted three times in one week. Good in, God! Uh, yeah. No, no. You, know, <laughs> you were just rocking around like I got I got loads uh, moving loads. B- busted <laughs> twice and overdosed once at school. So it, it came into. Um, wait, wait! Don't just go over like just yeah. run by. You overdosed at school. What, yeah. Wait, what happened? Well, uh, there was this uh, kid, uh, Fat Jack was his name, and I, I was walking down the hall, and he was like trying to hold the hall up. He was all fucked up. Yeah, and I'm like, what's going on? And it found out that he was, you know, doing some of this. What we, like I said, we called it THC, but it was like an angel dust. So I go, where is it? I'm going through his pockets and shit, trying to help him out. I pulled out. I go, there's nothing in here, really. You've done it all. So I just filled it up with water and drank this little bit. It, like, it was like a little coin baggie. Yeah. You know, it was fit one. So I just drank it. But what I didn't know is that was matchstick version of that. What does that mean? Super potent? Like you fish should do scale a matchstick. Yeah, you should do a matchstick at the most. And most of that stuff, you would do rails like it was Coke. Um and in no time, like within 45 minutes, I was holding up a wall somewhere. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I've told people, run, I've got it, you know? 
And uh, that happened, uh, you know, I went down, I had to be, you know, my folks had to be come, called to come and pick me up because <laughs> I had to, we used to also call what would happen to you knickknack because you would freeze up and you'd be like a knickknack that you would just put on the fucking wall. You were like the Tin Man. Yeah. You would stop like the Tin Man and try to talk like this. <laughs> so it's so like it, ketamine almost. Yeah. Like was, when I did cat tranquilizer, yeah. it would just lock me wherever I was sitting. It was like a tranquilizer and a little trippy at the same time. Uh, kind of what I like to consider the worst of two worlds. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I uh, was busted at a party, dealing the whole fucking nine yards. Literally was let go and they took my drugs and my money. So I did not have yeah so you didn't get actually busted you got you got stopped you got searched you got taken but you didn't get arrested yeah because they thank were god. local cops well they wasn't, thank god because i no, they actually want me to flip on a couple of people and but the fact is they took all my cash that was on me and i owed a fucking guy Oof. a guy had fronted me money and then two days later i was selling uh the same drugs at uh, the spectrum at an aerosmith show and I'm down in the bathroom selling this drug, and a guy fucking buys it from me, and then I turn around, walk around, and it's and I'm all under 18 when all yeah. this stuff is happening. And then I remember uh, the detectives and the judge were like, because I was from the suburbs and I was in the inner city, it was just me and black kids, and they were like, how stupid do you gotta be to sell dope to a cop? I go, first of all, he's not dressed like a cop. He's yeah. wearing a fucking Flyers jersey. You know what I mean? If he's yeah. dressed like a cop, I walk right by him. So I don't see this as stupidity at all. It's, it's like everybody had an Aerosmith concert. Yeah. But it kind of um, derailed all my plans to be a big-time drug dealer because it's shit when yeah. you have to go through the system and everything. It's tough. Yeah, and I hope there are some young people listening. Be friends with a dealer. Don't Always. be the dealer. Yes. Yeah. Now, the next problem I have is the guy that fronted me the drugs, he comes and I and he goes, hey, where's my money? You're two days late. I'm like, dude, I got busted. And the cops, you know, and he's like, it don't matter, man. He's like- uh, How much you owe him? It was probably a few hundred at the time when, when you're not dealing drugs. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And you don't want to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not, and he's like, you know, when you take my dope, I go, oh, you, oh, it's your dope. I go, the cops think it's my dope. So if it's your dope, I can work this whole thing out in the fucking heartbeat. Yeah. I go, oh, you know, and I fucking, I go, let me know. I go, he goes, I got court dates coming up. Let me know whose fucking dope it was, mine or yours. But, you know, that did cost me that fucking friendship. <laughs> uh, in the later part of this, he later died, and I never paid him any money at all. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a great story. <laughs> um, it all worked out. It all worked out. All right, well, that then goes into Come Down in Time. Beautiful song. Beautiful. The intro to this song uh, I wrote is like a beautiful reverie. Uh, when the orchestra hits the backing uh, Elton's voice, it's just incredible. Uh, Peter, play a little bit of the second verse for us. Well, I don't know if I should have this to me sounds like so many different songs that are coming out in that era. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, how would you call it, like adult contemporary or soft rock? Yeah, it was probably right before that. It's kind of when folk rock was becoming more of like a so soft rock yeah. thing. But this is the kind of stuff that you would have expected 
from like Carly Simon or yes, somebody like that's that. That's perfect. You know, uh, the song was originally recorded for John's second album, Elton John. Uh, this is a delicately, delicately poignant and melancholy song that sounds like it's about the promise of meeting halfway for true love and getting stood up while waiting for it. Uh, tell me about the one that got away or when you were stood up. Oh, uh, there are people. Um, there's always a girl with a red solo cup that I did not walk up to. Is worse than anyone I ever broke up with. There's still people that I think to myself, I think that was the one, but I treated her as a friend or she was dating a friend of mine. I think that that, that kind of stuff leads you to a what could have life have been because you, 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 you fantasize that they're a perfect person because yeah. you never did live with them. Yep. You know what I mean? You never did. Mm-hmm. But I think that we all have that girl that you're like, you know, and this is why Facebook ended up being so bad is people went back to find that and try to correct that. Oh yeah. And it is. And, and you know, I think this ties in with this album too, because I think when you listen to an album, it does have everything to do with time and space. Right. And I was at a certain time and space when I listened to this, when I was a kid and open to it, Yeah, you know what I mean? And now and for that very reason, I didn't go back and listen to this record again the way you did because I wanted to keep that young person's perspective about it. You sure, know? I've heard that over. I've heard it again over the years, and I still love it. And by the way, I have uh, albums back then that I did love that I now I'm like, oh, that's a little more oh, ridiculous. Yeah. You've you know, grown the out of them Alice for sure. Cooper, Jethro Tull age. That, Do you, you feel know, like you, then you've grown more into this record? I I don't know. I like to keep this as if it was almost an early romance. Okay. You know what I mean? I love that feeling of listening to this record and knowing that there's something so much bigger than me at sure. the time. Sure. All right, this goes into Country Comfort. Now, this is the first song on the record that I actually thought sounded like a country song. So when they're saying that this is a country record, this has all the different little doodads. Uh, I love the lyrics. Uh, Bernie paints a perfect picture of a very deeply satisfying portrait of rural life. Uh, I love the steel guitar solo in it. and it's it's I think that's what it's called. I don't even know it's a steel guitar, but uh, Peter, play minute three, second forty four. Now the old fat goose is flying across the sticks. The hedgehog's dumb in clay between the bricks. The final verse, just fucking lovely. Now, although this is an Elton and Bernie original, it was first recorded and released five months earlier on Rod Stewart's second album. Gasoline Alley. So that's funny that you mentioned him earlier. You know, until you said that, I always thought that Rod just covered it. I had no, no. idea that he put it out yeah. first. Uh, but like I said, this is a this is this beautiful picture of just having this beautiful life and being at peace. Where and when are you most at peace? Um, the weird thing is, this is probably the most peaceful time because of being a grandfather. And it was a very, very unexpected thing of extended happiness. Not like when something good happens in your career, you know what I mean, or something good happens for any... It's just this thing of being around 
someone who's growing and sweet and open and knowing that this is your baby's baby. I did not, did not see this coming, even slightly, yeah. And I'm like, at certain times, I'm like, I get it, I guess. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, it's weird that you put that up because this... um, this record, I said, because of my brothers had a tendency to idolize him, you know, at that age. Because he's your like, brother was a huge Elton John fan. No, not really. Are you? These, idol- these you're are... saying you idolize your brother? Yeah, I idolized okay, my yeah. brother uh, when I was a kid because he's like six or seven years older. And now I see that I'm kind of idolizing this baby. Where at the time when I had my kids, I was like, all right, we got to do all the parenting, we got to pay bills, we got to make sure, you know. But this is because, you know, Gail and Jack are in, in charge of this baby. I'm just in. For any of the good stuff. You oh, it's, know? You it's get, just, dude, grandpas get the best stuff. Yeah. You, I mean, you you don't have to get really dirty. You can. Yeah. But you don't have to. And it's just love that baby unconditionally. And then when you get tired of it, just hand it back to your daughter. <laughs> but also I have this thing of realizing how lucky my life has been, you know, because I lost a lot of friends growing up. Sure. I lost a lot of people throughout the years. So I have so many friends who... It makes me think like, oh, not only do they're not having this experience, but I now realize because they died at 19 or 18 that I've had all these experiences without them. And it's really, really humbling, you know, and it's really, really sweet. That's beautiful. In the third verse in this, this is funny because he's talking about how, you know, his rural living is everything to him. But he talks about. Uh, industrialization moving in and upsetting the tranquility. So, right. so Bernie did paint that, you know, the other side of something so beautiful for them. What new technology do you find the least comforting? Well, I think that that's, um, it's something that you have to be careful for on both sides. You can't get so angry yeah. about you're not living at a time because I hear a lot of people like, something that bothers me is... Uh, and especially being a rock and roll person, is people taping during the show oh, yeah, it's... and giving up that moment, sure. that shared moment, because I have so many great memories of concerts turning into sh- church because everybody in the audience was one and you became one with the band and you could feel everybody moving at the same time. And that, to me, is, is about as spiritual as people can get you know it's it's the it's casting off self and becoming one with the universe right and it's rare like sometimes it's happened to me for a concert sometimes it's happened for 10 seconds of a concert sometimes it doesn't come at all but when it does uh i was at a p-funk fucking show one time where the people were on the stage and the band was down in the yard and i'm like this it could it's not insane. have been planned. It yeah. couldn't have been fucking planned. And it's what we're all looking for. You know what I mean? I think it's why people end up taking drugs and, you know, sexually sometimes yeah. you can get that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's so rare. And most of the time we feel so disconnected. And, I, and that's what we're doing with these phones. And we're not freezing a moment of time. We're keeping a moment of time from fucking happening. Yeah. You know, that's the sad thing about it. Yeah. And you can't convince people because I get it. I understand. I want to say that I'm places. You know what I mean? I'm checking things when I should be in conversation. I've done it. You know, not better than anybody with that. But I do see that that has uh, hurt us. All right. Son of your father. This is 
fucking incredible. This yeah. sounds to me, at first when I was listening to it, it sounded like every Elton John song ever. It had moments of Crocodile Rock, Honky Cat, which is my favorite name for any song ever. And then the pre-chorus kicks in, and I was left sitting with my mouth wide open. Peter, play second 58. <laughs> It is so fucking good. You're the son of your father. You try a little bit harder. Do for me as he would do for you. Uh, in such a fun song. That's some deep shit. Yeah, it's uh, and it's one of those songs that you would say, this is great, but it's not for the radio. You know what I mean? And that's what's interesting. I think it could be. Yeah, that's you think the thing. This, this, I think that pre-chorus, dude, yeah. I was listening to the song. I was like, okay, this is, this is a good song. That pre-chorus hit, that son of your father. I fucking was like, oh yeah, dude. This is this is like this is this is a pop song. This to me, it's catchy. I was singing it for days. That's interesting. Very interesting, but very fucking. You know what I love about Bernie is he slips in this deep shit into these pop songs. So this is about an argument on an East Virginia farm between two men. One of them blind with a hook for a hand. They have different ideas about what good deeds and charity are, and it ends up with both of them dead. There you go, man. What's the worst argument uh, or fight you've ever had, and over what? Um, you mean with, with my own father? It could be whatever. Yeah. If you want to talk about your father, sure. I actually uh, had an experience, uh, and I don't think I've ever talked about this, but I was 14 years old, maybe, f yeah, I think I was 14, and it was a thing where I still had curfew, and it was during the week, and I had left... After everybody went to bed, I went out. I went over this uh, this house. There was an older dude that was banging a real old lady, and we would all we go could in use her house. Yeah, so we could use her house, and everybody <laughs> was going to Gertie's house yeah. tonight. And it was a, um, I believe it might have been two and alls. If not, it was Lude's. And I come stumbling back into the house about um, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning on a school night. And my dad was there and he was giving me shit. You know, he'd woke up and, you know, they had nerve. You didn't have a cell phone. You yeah. just had to wait until they found you. And he was yelling at me and I actually said to him, I'm 14 years old, I'll do what I want. And I really thought that that was a, a thing of adulthood. Ping, pow, boom. <laughs> he was on my head, I was out there here. But that's that thing of like how you look back on stuff and you think how stupid could I have been? Um, and we were at, you know, when you were at that age where you couldn't be dumber, but at the time you think you're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! By the way, this is the only song off the album that Elton has never performed in concert. Oh, that's interesting. Which it's, it's very interesting because, like I said, this is, it's a, it just, it's full force. That, the chorus, the whole song, it's just fantastic. Another song about father, the next one, My Father's Gun, the chorus touched my soul. Uh, Peter, play the chorus for us. I like to know This is about as powerful uh, of a song as I've I've heard on this record, and as it goes on, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the song might sound familiar to you if you've seen the Cameron Crowe movie Elizabeth Town with Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Not a great movie, but that scene with that when, I mean, the whole thing of dealing with your dead father is something that if you live long enough, you're going to do, you know what I mean? And that fathers and sons is a very, you know, difficult thing as it is. And you just want to make sure you both live long enough before you, till you come on the other side of whatever, you know, break that fathers and sons always have and it just kills me you know amy mann covered this song did too. she yeah and it's just so good you know what i mean yeah. it's so good and I, I talked to her about it one day and she said it was just amazing to me at the early 70s that people would still talk about the civil war or the old west or something yeah and i'm like why why can't you today maybe it won't sell as much but you can still you know what I mean? It's just so funny Put that he, there. he that he there's there's a few songs on this record that are about the losing side of history, right? Do you know what I mean? And and uh, I think it's to to talk about something in a sense that today like you said is so negative and then to put it uh put this gorgeously orchestrated uh string section by Paul Buckmaster yeah. it's that's just creating like i said uh, this incredibly beautiful song but but like you said this it's not a coincidence that this is the another first person song about the civil war from a soldier's southern soldier's perspective like the previous years songs by the band the night they drove dixie down let's get into this tell me about a time that you were wrong but couldn't or wouldn't admit it damn dude that sounds like my entire life you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i really do uh i might be of the last generation who goes off to uh bleed in the woods and die there you know what i mean like to to not have problems yeah when people ask me how i'm doing i'm like i'm great i'm always doing great you know what i mean because i don't <coughs> want to share personal stuff i mean sometimes i'm very envious how people can talk to each other but i came from a neighborhood where you didn't say what was actually bothering you and the best friends i've ever had i've never you know to me maybe you tell your chick 
that's it, you yeah. know? Um, so <clears throat> I don't come from that. So uh, being wrong. And, and, you know, people actually make fun of the fact that people are woke or whatever, uh, especially you California types, yeah. you know? <laughs> but what is, what's wrong with someone growing throughout their life and changing their opinion? Do you really want your sense of learning to have ended when you were 19 years old or whatever? Yeah. Uh, but so you just, you, you won't re- like apologize if you've done something wrong? I have, uh, you know, gone through a program where you go back and make amends, but, but there are places that if you go back, it would cause more harm. Yeah. You don't do it. Yeah, of course. And that's how I feel about most of the <laughs> battles I've had in my life. And I still have love for people that I'm not going to go back and have that Why do you think you were, and I hate to use the word stubborn, but like to, to not be able to admit it? Like, is it just the neighborhood or is that something your There's dad some did of that, as well? But here's the thing, when you admit it, they're going to have to meet somewhere and admit it as well because no one's 100% wrong. For sure. You know what I mean? Like when you rob a bank, it's easy to say I was wrong. You know, but yeah. when, that, when you're in a situation where you're bad for each other's lives, and this happens a lot, with you know men and women um where you really would be better off you know ending it letting each other go off and heal separately and yeah. hopefully find better people to go back and say look i made that mistake or whatever or you know uh, one of the things like you ever notice how women will say you're trying to drive me crazy we do a lot of th- you know what i mean like when we're fucking being bad when we're on a fucking whatever we're doing we're cheating we're fucking partying we're night owling it we we act like they're nuts when they come to us with this to go back and say that now to them like hey i really was gaslighting you yeah but i love you but i gaslit you for you know years at a time uh yeah i don't think that that's just stubborn i think you're trying to also uh, you know protect them from the beast from your own dark side because you'll just go back there and say something hurtful again i mean have you ever said more hurtful things than the people who actually had love for you oh i've said some some horrible horrible things to the people that that i love the most but what's good is at least for me now um I mean, when I was using, it was just, I couldn't apologize to, to save my life. Yeah. Now, you know, with a clear head, it's, you know, one, I'm not putting myself in those situations. Right. But like you said, making amends, it's just, that's, you know, I can't, I can only apologize so much for the mistakes I made in the past. Yeah. And hopefully people can, you know, accept it and know that I'm a changed person. But there's a few people like, like that are just that I, either I did wrong or they did wrong or whatever it is. And it's just, it's better that we don't have that relationship. I mean, I've grown where I'm not putting myself in those situations anymore. So I'm proud of that. But at the same time, it's, it's, you know, took a lot, a lot of time to get there. Well, I think the, the most painful thing about any kind of recovery is the moment that you realize it wasn't just the drugs and alcohol. You know, that yeah, isn't really what made you, you a dick. Yeah, it's, it, that's, you know, you're kind of dickish. They just brought it out of you yeah. a little bit more to make you more yeah. honest. It, it made you do it worse, but you still can be a manipulator. You can still be a person who is wanting other people to change it. I mean, it's very fucking hard to be a human being, to be a good so human being. Hard. It's oh. so difficult. Yeah. 
Speaking about being a human being, that's kind of what the next song is about. Where to now, St. Peter? Uh, I hear definite echoes of Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, and Nash on this. Good song didn't really grab me like some of the others. Lyrically, it's about a dying soldier who isn't sure if he's going to heaven or hell. Um, What would be heaven and hell to you? Heaven is a concept that's very difficult for me to relate to eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a. It's easier for me to to picture hell than it is heaven. What's hell? I always feel like hell's gonna be you stuck in that in a moment of Dude. your life that was like terrible for you that you 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 know like it's just repeating over and over and over again. You literally, I'm literally think that a hell would be being stuck in a storm drain, and I'm just trying to knock myself oh, out. I can't. I wouldn't. I don't ever like to say that out loud because if that's what they're looking for, boom, they'll get on it. But can, <laughs> doesn't it, eternity in heaven sound like the dullest, worst thing for you? Uh, I mean, it's like how long is this going on? I mean, if it's you're hanging out with all your buddies and you're just like it's perfect, you know, like the the you know your 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 sports team's winning every game and it's just your version of what a perfect life would be. It's starting you know? to sound like hell now that you can't get out of that. <laughs> I think there was a Twilight Zone that a guy kept. Oh, a guy wanted. He was a comedian. Yeah, and every he just wanted to make people laugh, and then. Everywhere he went, people would just be laughing, whether yeah, they were serious or not. That's how I picture heaven. I've thought about that. Like yeah. I was like, if I, God, if I could make a wish that I'm the funniest comedian, but it's yeah. like that means anything I say would make people laugh, and then you just start going crazy because you couldn't handle all the laughter. You're you like, just stop laughing. <laughs> stop stop laughing. I really heard inside, and they're like, this is great. The idea of what happens, you know, to 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 me to the existence like once that gets shut off I can't fathom that. Right, well, can you fathom before you were born? No. Does that scare you? But I that's the thing is that like I mean it's the you're, dude it's these are the questions I, yeah. I it freaks me the fuck out when I sit there I and think about were, death. I bet you were very comfortable during the early 1900s before you existed. <laughs> I bet it felt so Light and comfortable. Funny that we're talking about something that I used to love so much because the next song is Love Song. This is a faithful cover of a song by Leslie Duncan who also sang backup and played the acoustic guitar that sounds something from the Beatles' White Album. She was popular at the time in England, but due to crippling stage fright and not wanting to chase fame, she's largely forgotten now. Beautiful song. Uh, Love the Have Your Eyes Really Seen lyric. Who is one of your unsung heroes that we should know about? Oh, that's an interesting one. I've never really given that much thought because I don't know how what it is to even be unsung. To me, um, if you're doing it, it seems pretty cool, right? Like, I know a lot of people who will think, I don't know, somebody who's at this level is, having, is more accepted than somebody at, at, you know, a level lower. But just, I mean, just think of what you're doing now. You get up at the store, you're traveling. I mean, if somebody would have told you like at 10th grade this would be your life, you probably would be like, fuck you. Doing comedy and music? Yeah. Uh, I'd have a permanent, I've had a permanent erection from the time I found out until now. So that's how I tend to uh, feel a, a, a pretty good amount of the time, especially, you know, people I've gotten to interview or, hang out with and talk about stuff 
and everybody goes through, you know, kind of ups and downs. Um, so I, I may be stumped on this one, you know, okay. because if I, I think if somebody has got something that I, that is doing something that I really, really dig, I don't really care how much money they're getting for it or whatever. I, I, you know, I mean, I could say I think Joan Armatrang is one of the greatest. Who is that? It's a, a singer or songwriter from this same era is one of the best of all time. But she's still out there touring. You know what I mean? She's still yeah, doing she's still it. working. Yeah, and I think isn't that the point? I mean, I, I might feel worse for somebody like Elton. Who isn't doing? Who stopped doing albums like this? Yeah. So he could see the chart, and he could see. I don't know whether he's been overly happy. He never. Seems I don't think he happy. was. I mean, if you saw the, yeah. if you saw the movie, he, yeah. he, I mean, he was, he was a, you know, a, a, just a drugging all the time, yeah. and just because he was never happy. But isn't that what happens to people who take the, you know, or hosting a game show that they don't love, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it. Uh, you know, it seems like if you do a Bill Hicks thing where people were always like, oh, Bill, he never got to do, but, oh, he seemed like he did the shit that he wanted to do. Yeah. You know, the sad part is that he died young, but his career is nothing yeah. to sneeze at sure. at all. All right. Amarina. Now, this is the closest thing to a single to me. Uh, Peter, play Minute 301. I just love that fucking it's organ. Unbelievable. Man. It's just so good. This is probably one of my favorite songs on the record. I mean, this and Talking Old Soldiers, but this is just it's it's just so fucking catchy and just yeah. so great. The lyrics, everything about it. Now, this is a yearning song for a distant love out on the prairie, and it really captures the desires of young love. Maybe it's distance between them or maybe it's time. What was your young love life like? Well, um, went into it too early. As a matter of fact, this song reminds me of, of a girl from that era. Really? Yeah. But there was um, uh, zero sex education when I was younger. Zero. Um, very Catholic neighborhood. Just don't do it. Is the thing, and we <laughs> fuck like dogs in the bushes. Of course, I mean, yeah, we just they, told yeah. you what to do. Uh, we were in unlocked fucking cars. There was an unlocked car that I basically used as an apartment in my fucking neighborhood. <laughs> so most of that, when you go back to uh, uh, things like when you people you like to apologize, there's those kind of people like, oh man, I lied quite a bit. Yeah. When I when I was a young person, and no one thought of that as lies, it was seduction at the time. But most of that stuff was in between terribly romantic and and pretty uh, caddish behavior. But also, only East Coast people know. I think that excitement of meeting a girl at the beach that you're not, she doesn't know your history, what you're like. Oh yeah, the boardwalk love. Yeah, the boardwalk love is. <laughs> Very open and it's like a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> it really is, and it's a chance, you know. It, it's a chance to be somebody else, you know. Um, so those kind of things, and I wouldn't even know how how to go back and find it again, pre Facebook. You know, once once there was social media, 
comics stop having a girlfriend in every fucking town. It used to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you get caught now. Yeah, you would be caught immediately. <laughs> but most comics dated a fucking waitress in yeah. every town. They're like, who is this? And the yeah. girlfriend's like, who is this girl Barbara that likes all of your posts? And you're just like, my life's over. Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, I think, um, I honestly think the kids have so much. Can you imagine seeing the kind of fucking porn that's out there. I had thought about this. I go, any girl when I was in my teens, I probably had the first dick adult, you know, first dick they ever saw. I wasn't comparing it to a porn dick. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And can you imagine these women going, I, I don't know if I could take a cock. You know, they're so gigantic <laughs> and wide. You know what I mean? Yeah. The 70s dicks were just like regular, normal-sized <laughs> dicks. I remember my dad had uh, all the greats. He had yeah. Taboo. He had Debbie Does <laughs> Dallas. And it was like, I think, uh, God, what was the guy's Mr. Greenfield, the guy yeah. that Debbie fucks at the end of the movie? Yeah. He looked like my science teacher. <laughs> right. and, that, and that was it. You're like, oh, yeah. I can do that move. I, I can do everything that guy's doing. Yeah. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, the wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Talking old soldiers. Now, this is probably my this is my favorite song on the record. I love Amarina, but this one is just powerful. Uh, this is about a young man who encounters and gets to talking with an old veteran in a bar named Joe. He buys him a few beers and listens to his stories about how hard the war was on Joe and how all of his friends are dead or dying. The guy leaves Joe with another beer and the advice, ignore all the others, you got your memories. Uh, play uh, Minute 209. There goes all my joke. Well, I may be mad at that. I've seen enough to make a man go out his brains. When he says, well, do they know what it's like to have a graveyard as a friend? Because that's where they are, boy. All of them. That is, I think this is like the perfect combination of Elton and Bernie. I mean, yeah. it's a full-blown story. Like you were saying, this is like almost like a, like a movie. Uh, but it's a full-blown story. And the piano, so powerful. Just Elton. And the lyrics, very Tom Waits, right? Very Very Tom Tom Waits, Waits. very Tom Um, Waits. And his voice on this uh, sounds—he kind of picked this up on Mad Men uh, Across the Water, which is what another album or two actually was supposed to be on this record. Is that right? It was uh, actually—it was the final song on it. And if you get any of the uh, the re-releases of this record, uh, Mad Men on the Water is there. I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty. That's pretty cool. Uh, but his voice sounds more like on that record than it does the rest of this record. This is like he maybe found something. He's like, oh, I'm going to go in that yeah. direction for a while. Powerful, powerful, powerful song. Yeah. This is the one that brought me to tears. But ultimately, in the end, it's just an old guy giving a young guy advice. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Yeah. I would say this, um, and I always use this as... Um, parenting advice and it's from a 38 special song okay, okay. so uh, not as somebody that you think of as advice but hold on loosely 
is the best advice that you could ever do with family and also recovering an active drug addict. So what do you mean? Just like you hold on, but just not tight? You don't hold on tight, but you're there for them. You know what I mean? And you let them be themselves, but you're still around. So I always think of that if somebody that we know is out there but just hasn't had that moment yet. I think about it when, you know, my kids make bad decisions or anybody in my family. People that you want to keep in your life, uh, you don't put that fucking line down and say don't cross that line. And it's very hard when you become the alpha male in your family. You might buy into your own press clippings, but you can't. You know what I mean? You have to... You have to allow people to make the mistakes that they need to make. That's you know? fantastic. But it's you got to love them. What's so great is that you actually answered the next question, which yeah. is which advice, what advice would you give? Yeah. So that was perfect. I give it all the time. <laughs> all because of 38 special. <laughs> all because of one line. Uh, all right. Final song on the record, Burn Down the Mission. Now, this sounds like a song of class struggle with those who lived in the impoverished parish just outside of a well-off stonewalled mission, having burned it to kill off those inside so they can occupy it and survive. The narrator was the inciter of the fire who is now being taken away. I think it's this, I think it's safe to say that you are a bit of a provocateur. Absolutely. What's the most rebellious thing you've ever done? Well, probably, well, first of all, let me say, I think this is my favorite song okay. on the album particularly being a Catholic kid, right? And hearing, we're burning down the church. You know what I mean? We're burning the church down because they have stuff more than they need and we need it. And like for a kid hearing that, I'm like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Why are there poor people when there are gold chalices? You know, shouldn't the church be broke because they've tried to help so much? Um, And another album that I was listening to at the same time of this was George Carlin, Class Clown, where he was the first time I heard an adult like say shit about the church and how weird it was. So that seemed to go together with this. Uh, this is my favorite piano playing, too, that he does. I mean, he's literally in the min- middle of this, just fucking jamming on the piano and killing it. Peter, play a little bit of the, play a little bit of the jam real quick. Let's take a little taste of that. He's so talented. He's man. so he good so on this album, good. man. Yeah. Uh, so, but, what's the most rebellious thing you've ever done? I mean, I think uh, I was the the high school rebellious person, but I th- also think I've been somewhat rebellious in my career of walking away from some things that were working and going, "What else is there to do?" You know. But the thing for me is like the school itself from kindergarten on to being a senior in high school was just too confined for me. I could not believe, even in first grade, there's 30 of us in here, but only one old lady gets to talk. And this old lady doesn't know shit about Batman. You know what I mean? And we're going to (laughs) listen to her. And there's a jungle gym and, and a fucking sliding board right outside. And we're sitting in here. Yeah, This is fucking insane. It's insane. And I couldn't get that thought out of my mind. The whole time I was in school, all the way through, I go, I just got to get out of here. You know, I got to leave. Yeah. 
I don't even like uh, when I had to go back into a PTA meeting and walk into those classrooms. <laughs> it's like it felt like jail to me. Yeah. Well, how are you? How are you with your rebellion now? Um, well, I, I I think that I try to be somewhat of a contrarian, you know, comedically, and just find out when everybody likes something, you figure out what is wrong with that. And when somebody, everybody hates something, you try to figure out what's great about it. To me, that's comedy. That's yeah. a 100% comedy, you know, to say, here's why I like being stuck in the airport. You know what I mean? This yeah. is all, you know, this, you know what's great about being stuck in the airport is the, is the shit that people never expect to hear, you know? Yeah, completely. Are right, you want to yeah. do some facts and then get out of here? Yes. All right. Facts. Elton Facts, Facts, Facts. That's Anne Marina. The basic tracks for Come Down in Time, Country Comfort, and Burn Down the Mission were all recorded during the sessions for the previous record, Elton John. In what ways have you been ahead of your time? Wow, it's really, really interesting. I think I was one of the... Well, here's the thing that happened with me. When I went into radio, I was one of the first people who just used their bad name. Ron Bennington is not a radio, you know what I mean? It's not Dusty Streets. Yeah. It's not, you know, uh, and I didn't do any voice stuff. So I went in, I was pretty nasal, and I was just doing, like, talking regular. And that freaked people out. That freaked people out that I wasn't using a DJ voice, you know? Did you try to use Not a DJ? Not even slightly. What would your DJ voice be? Oh, uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> That's how everybody sounded yeah, when dude. I started. But I was just trying to promote this club that I had. So I just took regular fucking street. And the one positive for that is that everybody knew who I was. This was down in Tampa. But everybody was like, oh, that's that guy. That's regular with, voice, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's regular voice guy <laughs> with a weird last name that isn't just two syllables, you know? <laughs> yeah. Amarina is the debut recording of the rhythm section of Nigel Olsen and, on drums and D. Murray on bass. Even though they were a touring three-piece, Elton re Record Company would only let them play on one track per album. However, after Elton's success, they became his best-known recording rhythm section from 72's Honky Chateau to 75's Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. What restrictions have been put on you that you defied to positive results? Uh, well, you know, uh, the restrictions is actually good for creativity. You know what I mean? Restrictions, I, I, I think uh, one of the things... Uh, about podcasting is weird is how can you shock anyone when you're podcasting? But back in the shock jock days, uh, because they had so tight on us, we could almost say any small thing. You know, I remember a girl got her tongue pierced on my show and it made the newspaper. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like anything yeah. that you could do. So by looking for ways to get around those restrictions, you know, when people sit around and talk about the Archie Bunker show or whatever, it's the fact that they had restrictions on them that made them be more creative with it. So... I'm all for it because it's easier to be a rebel. I always say this, put your kid in a private school and that way if he has his T-shirt out, 
He's the rebel. Yeah. You send him to a public school, he's going to fucking stab somebody <laughs> to get a reputation. Yeah. You know, if not, just let, let his hair touches his ears. And everyone's like, this fucking kid. You know what I mean? Like, look at James Dean. You think anybody would have paid attention to him 10 years later? No. 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 All right. Final fact. An amazing live album with with the three-piece of Elton, D and Nigel was recorded a few months after Tumbleweed Connection and released as 17-1170 in the UK and 11-1770 in America. I actually just listened to this, yeah. this record. It's on Spotify. It is incredible to hear the sound that these three guys put out. It's like you, you, it's like they kind of go by like the Ben Folds five, like right. trio of just piano, bass and drums. And it is insane. It was if, done in a record. It was done in a radio station here in New York. Was it? Yeah. It, it sounded like it wasn't like a full on, con- it, it was a I, concert, but not like, it's not a very tame concert I'm, yet. They were being blown away. By yeah. The music. And it was like contest winners. You know what I mean? That's they were so just great. in a studio. Like you see here, and I don't know why the record company decided to put it out. It's such a rare thing, especially in those days, you know, to put out something I think it was like too that. Good. I've listened to it. It's too yeah. good. It's too yeah. good to not have the world hear this, you know, or at least fans of Elton yeah. to be able to be like, oh, because something like that, you know, the fact that they have it, I can get it just new. But but let me ask you, mm-hmm. uh, what's the greatest concert you've ever seen? <sighs> That's one of the toughest, toughest questions. It's 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 a loaded question because there's so many factors. But But I will tell you this: Uh, I was uh, a kid, and we went to see Pink Floyd. Ah, and we had what year is this? This is this is probably seventy five. So what album is that? That's the Wall. uh, The the Wall seventy seventy nine. Yeah, I think if it was it was either seventy four or seventy five. Whenever the album out, but they come out and they. Uh, do the Wish You Were Here album, right? Which hasn't been released yet, uh. right, in the States. So we come out and they did like, I don't know, six or seven, and we're just tripping balls and we're like, what <laughs> the fuck was that? Was that, you know? And then they go, they go, out, they come back, the lights come down, and they do um, Dark Side beginning to end they play the whole fucking dark side thing and with that they're doing all their fucking toys and you know we didn't really have video monitors in but they're playing the the film up on behind them and uh then come back and and do echoes from omagoma which is being like i literally felt my fucking brain just go off and leave me for a while full-on out-of-body experience full-on out-of-body experience the um the fucking show ends and people sat for beats before they started to applaud. That's how fucking, it was literally like an entire hit of asset for the Spectrum in Philly. And then I saw them uh, a couple years later and um, kids were doing the bump to uh, one of their songs. I'm like, okay, this is what happens. You know what I mean? Like, I know people are against drugs, but I think we were all better off when we were tripping to this, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was the experience we were trying to do. Yeah. Not some fucking after school special. Oh, that's great. Uh, this was fantastic, Ron. Uh, thank you for taking the time out to talk to me about this record. Congratulations thank you, on this uh, on this show. And I, uh, I'll make this vow to you. If you were murdered, I will pick up this show and carry on. In your Done.
neighbor. You're my lady. Ron Bennington, Ron Bendy. Come on, guys. A legend. For all things Ron, go to BenningtonShow.com and at Bennington Show on all Soch. Listen to his two very popular Sirius XM radio shows, Unmasked and Bennington, and he's currently on tour with Robert Kelly, Rich Voss, and Jim Florentine on the Creeps with Kids tour, and you can get those tickets at creepswithkidstour.com. Visit his website, benningtonshow.com. I'll be posting Ron's Spotify mixtape so you guys can get inside the musical mind of Ron's head. And I don't know if you know this, but all of our guests have made mixtape playlists for you. Don't you want to know what Bill Burr listens to? Don't you want to know what Wanda Sykes listens to? Don't you want to know what Sal Volcano listens to? Sal gave me 55 songs. Guys, get up in these pieces. I'm giving you this stuff so you can enjoy it. For all things 500, go to the500podcast.com. Email this podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social. And all tickets for any of my shows, like that Vegas show, you can get it at my website, joshadammyers.com. Please subscribe to the 500 on Spotify. Guys, it's the best app. Use it. I've been a Spotify fan even before I worked for them since 2011, since the jump, and there's nothing better. Follow the staff, guys, at Avery Funny, at DJ Morty Coyle, at JT Podcast Exec, at Badass Wizard, and at Real Matt Penfield. Now, we just listened to Elton John from 1970. For new music this week, our music director, Matt Penfield, Little Matty Penny, selected Redwood Honey. They're a five-piece band from Boston who are part of the new Americana. They cite the band and early Elton John as major influences. Listen to their track, Show Me Love on Spotify, and check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you want your music featured on the 500 website, because I'm trying to hook you guys up, I want to launch people, send us your music. Email it to us, 500podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Let's make these careers together. Next week is My Morning Jacket Week as we go deep into their 2005 album Z. So y'all got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify, guys. And what do you got to do? Stay fleeced. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course, provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Next Chapter Podcasts.